0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Post-Sony Podcast. You're now listening to episode 183 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined as always by my co-host Matt. What's going on?
1: Yeah, fresh after the break. Didn't disappoint us with the amount of storylines coming out, not just from the the results of the games, but also we had a lot more sackings. Two massive ones that we're going to cover. Uh, one for Chelsea with Graham Potter, which caught me off guard. Yeah. I I wasn't expecting it. I think the anticipation and more precisely the anger amongst the fans with with the executives and the board uh and the owners just got to a point where, where they just saw there was no progress in the development of the team. So that 7-year contract was ripped up at ripped up after only 7 months. So, yep. Um that is Todd Boley and Egg Bali and all those guys' first big L. Um, I'm sure there's going to be more with the current signings we made, too. So we'll get into more of that as we get further in the show. But um, what do you think? Big Another big W for Arsenal?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, well, in terms of, of the way that Arsenal played, yeah, g- great week. Um, I, like you, and like I would say probably most fans – uh have just been kind of shocked about the the firing of uh of Grant Potter and then subsequently the firing of Brendan Rodgers. I both of these teams stuck it out for so long with those managers. I mean, Potter obviously was only there since September, but he's lasted through like much worse spells than, you know, just a 2-0 loss um to Aston Villa. And I know there was maybe one game before this as well. Where Who else did they lose to? That last week,
1: uh, we drew Everton. Drew Everton.
0: Drew Everton. Right. So, you know, not ideal, but a draw, a point from from both of those games. It's not like the complete end of the world. It's not like Chelsea are going to do anything in the table. I know eleventh isn't really where you want to be ideally. I, I, you know, that's not where a team of Chelsea's caliber should be. But they're still in the Champions League. They're in the Champions League quarterfinals. I, I just. I don't know, man. I think this is pretty much how Chelsea have always operated. It's just boom and bust. Like you guys go through managers like fucking socks. Uh, it just has always been that way. And I guess the they didn't really like the way that Grand Potter was with the players. He was just too soft. Um, didn't have the sort of killer instinct that I think they're looking for in a manager at Chelsea. When you think about their success. I mean, you're looking at guys like Mourinho um, and guys like Tuchel, another guy that is notoriously very, very cold, uh, calculated, and kind of mean. So I guess that just didn't really you know, work out with Potter because I, I don't think he's like that. He's, he's more of a gentlemanly manager. I think he's a nice guy, and I just don't think uh, he was going to be the guy for the project. So maybe this wasn't the best time to do it, in my opinion, but I think Moving on is definitely the right decision long-term.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, there's a lot in my mind. I really haven't had the couple of days to really process it even.
0: It's crazy to sign a manager for a seven-year deal immediately. I don't know. I was thinking about, I got in the shower today and I was listening to, I don't know if it was The Athletic or it was David Ornstein. I think he works for The Athletic now. Uh, Famed, you know, football journalist. But I was thinking like, why don't Chelsea just give managers one year deals? Why, why why is there this uh desire to extend or sign to a long-term contract? I know that's kind of how manager contracts work in general, but some guys are on lesser deals, they're on shorter deals, and Chelsea like I I don't know if they're trying to instill a sense of confidence in them, but that doesn't really matter when you look at what the precedent is. There are world class managers who haven't lasted at Chelsea. Like it just doesn't doesn't happen. They don't keep managers for five, six, seven years. Yeah, I don't. I can't tell you the last time they had a manager for more than five years. I truly cannot. Do Do you know off the top of your head
1: a manager that we had for longer than five years?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: nobody in the past twenty, 20 years.
0: years, right? Not not in the time that we've watched.
1: I think maybe Mourinho's first stint. If I had to guess off the top of my head, I think that would be the longest and before all the money came, I'm sure. But yeah, it's been a a revolving door and I think we don't see one to two year deals for managers most of the time is because the managers don't want to agree to that. Uh, They probably don't feel the security in their job. They don't want to pick up and move everything for uh, something that might not work out after a full season. But but yeah, it winds up your,
0: being that anyway though. Yeah, yeah, to That's your point. The it doesn't thing.
1: matter whether it's two year deal or like here, a seven year deal, if if you don't if you don't get off the ground running right away, especially with a, a massive club like Chelsea or with a United with um and them in the previous time, yeah. like the, it's it's all about getting the fans on your sides. As long as you can get the fans to support you. Um even with Everton this year, they still like supported Frank Lampard. Yeah, um, up until he was fired, and that's kind of how you want the relationship to be. So Graham Potter I never really had that. He had, like, two two runs where they went on, like, four or five games unbeaten, and then it was just uh, mediocrity. And I do think there needs to be more accountability on the players
0: yeah,
1: on the field, ones that are playing, but at the same time, there's no motivation or no backbone behind them because – um, Grand Potter's not really shoving his foot up his ass like Mourinho or uh, a Conte would at times. So yeah. maybe it's it's one of those things now where Grand Potter potentially could go and take the Leicester job. He could step in at Palace at the end of the year there. Brendan Rodgers, there's so many open seats now with interim jobs. Tottenham's there, like I think that was the 13th. 12th or 13th sacking of the
0: season that was uh that was the 13th
1: that's the second this year for chelsea too or
0: potter potter was 12 and then rogers was 13 but yeah Yeah. that's the second of chelsea that's crazy chelsea
1: sacked two managers this year and southampton also too everybody else has done it once right Uh, there's very few that have kept their job if west ham didn't pick up a win this weekend david Moyes would have joined that list too probably
0: yeah that's that's for sure true um, the one other guy who I'm a bit shocked has kept his job is Steve Cooper at Nottingham Forest, but it doesn't seem like they really plan on moving on from him really at any point. So uh, that's like the the guy that was also maybe potentially on the hot seat if you just look at a recent form. But there hasn't been any, you know, rumors about, about him losing his job. So I guess they're they're comfortable with the way that uh, things are going at Nottingham Forest. I mean, they got a point on the weekend, so it's it's not like things are – Extremely dire, but they are they're in the drop or close to the drop. I mean, I think they're what a point from safety. Leeds is in 18th. and Nottingham Forest is on 27 and 16. Um, things are things are weird. Um, okay, let us um jump into these games. We had some really really good games this week. Uh, a couple of tightly contested ones, but a lot of uh, a lot of blowouts. We had City absolutely blow the doors off of Liverpool. 4 one a final result. Salah scored early in the 17th, uh to put Liverpool ahead, but City absolutely thundered back. 27th minute goal from Julian Alvarez saw the score go level and then a second half masterclass from Jack Grealish and shocking to say Jack Grealish but Jack Grealish on the bunch. KDB with a goal in the 46th, Gunduan underappreciated as always goal in the 53rd and Grealish who's had just he's been really really good since coming back from the World Cup it all off in the 74th. 17 shots total for City. 8 shots on target. Just 4-1 and one for the Reds. And 70% possession heading to... Uh, or in favor of the Citizens. I mean, this game... I think we all expected City to win. But I didn't think that they'd have to just like... Th- they'd have to come back. Um, I don't know. Still suspect defensively, I think, at points. But uh, Liverpool are the most suspect... Uh, team in terms of defense so i think we figured city would would rip them apart at some point and they certainly did it just took them a little bit longer to get going
1: yeah we saw john stone step into a holding midfield position there next yeah, to roger suspect just, it just shows that um pep here playing four natural center backs in the team and they still are successful in winning these games <laughs> like they are no erling holland in the team as well that could be a point on its own if they're better without Holland or not. Um, it's irrelevant to either way because they're still blowing teams out. I think the number one thing I took from this game was that Liverpool kind of rolled over, and just let it happen. The 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 guys up top couldn't really do anything with the ball, uh, because the midfield was all over the place and Trent was getting exposed, especially on the the last goal for Grealish. He didn't track back. He kind of just gave up. And left Konate and Van Dijk in all sorts. So it was really tough to see. It kind of burned me after last week saying that Liverpool, I think, would finish top four. Um, but with after today with Tottenham and United over the weekend, too, and Brighton and Brantford tying, um, anything's possible. Like, these teams are all just fluffing it up here. So still, it doesn't help. Um Even when Salah scored the first goal, I still felt like Man City was in control of the game and never really had to worry about it. So it's tough scenes. Hopefully that carries over to tomorrow when Chelsea hosts Liverpool. But um, it seems like it doesn't matter what happened in the previous game because uh, something different can happen on the day.
0: That's absolutely right. Okay, let's move on to Bournemouth to Fulham 1. Despite going ahead in the 16th minute, uh, with an Andreas Pereira goal Bournemouth Thunderback two goals one from Marcus Tavernier and one from Solanke. absolutely wonderful second half effort in a time where you truly need everybody to step up uh in this relegation battle Bournemouth earn 3 points I mean what do you think about this one I thought I thought the two goals that they scored um were I mean the first goal from Tavernier was unreal that was a complete screamer he uh, just cut it onto his left foot and just ripped it over, Lino, uh, right into the far corner. They only had like 40 minutes after that, but they managed to eke one out. Uh, it was kind of a sweaty, like but he he bundled it over a little bit uh, the line with Solanke, but you'll take three points. I mean, I I thought this was a really convincing performance uh, from Bournemouth, just in terms of grit. Uh, we know they don't necessarily play beautiful, gritty football or beautiful football, but it's certainly gritty.
1: Oh yeah, uh, the two goals Bournemouth scored couldn't be more opposite of each other. I Tavernier, know Tavernier with the goal of the week probably probably end up being goal of the month for April. I would easily say, and the Solanke one just came down to pure will and wanting it more. Uh, he just butting it in right with in front of Robinson and and Leno on the ground, Tim Ream there as well. So I thought watching the first half, Fulham was in control, good possession. They couldn't really get their fullbacks up high enough. To, Anthony Robinson the first half had an absolute laser off the crossbar. That could have made it two nil at the time, but uh Bournemouth at times stretched out their attack and pressed the back line a little bit more. It got them some early chances or sorry, late chances in the first half. And I think Gary O'Neill encouraged that type of press in the second half and we saw what it did. The whole second half, Bournemouth were really in there. Fulham just packing it in and really hoping for the result to hold in their favor, but that 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 late, or sorry, that early goal in the second half from Tavernier really was a a massive motivation boost for Bournemouth and the home fans to get behind the team. So, uh, I I think this keeps going with our feeling on Fulham are free falling a bit now. They lost all their form. They're on a massive uh, three game losing streak now, which is the worst in the league compared to everybody in their last three and four straight with a, without a win. So, they're, they're plummeting down the table, um, obviously not past Chelsea yet. Uh, we can't get out of our own way yet there, but still losing to Bournemouth here is very bad. Um, in your in, kind of in completing your full season and trying to make it a positive, but for Bournemouth it's massive. It gets them out of the drop zone. Three points at this stage is critical, and they need to start stringing more points together now to get some get a bit of a train going and get further away from all the carnage happening at the bottom end.
0: Yeah, not a lot of time left. They've got to really figure it out and just buckle down, uh kind of like we saw Everton do today. It's like you said, it is a it's a tr- massive train crash down there and you You want to try and get away as fast as you can get as far away as possible. So we'll have to see how all that pans out in the next couple weeks. Let's move on uh, to another team scrapping, maybe even two teams scrapping in the relegation battle. Nottingham Forest won, Wolves won. Uh, Nottingham Forest go ahead in the 38th minute. Lovely bit of uh finishing from Brennan Johnson, just really, really well timed. This guy, I- I've sung his praises over the past, you know, probably six weeks at this point. Uh seems to be really, really good. Uh he, he just let it bounce, the ball got played in um <clears throat> by John or by <clears throat> Gibbs White, and uh he just let it bounce one time, fired a low shot right past Saw, uh pretty tight angle, but a really really good finish from him. Uh, and then late on, I believe it was the 83rd minute, so the dying embers of the match, Daniel Podence, uh, he scored. It was their first shot on target. <laughs> uh, Max Kilman looped across, across the box, and Costa kind of just teed it up for uh, Neto right on the edge. His effort was blocked, but Potence scored, dragged it right past Felipe. 1-1, final score. Really, really just like... I don't know. It's another like grindy result for Wolves. I have such a tough time like handicapping them. Uh, when I bet on them to win, they just don't show up until like the 70th minute. And that was kind of how it was in this one. They they really probably could have taken three points from this one. They could have also taken zero points. Nobody truly could ever give you an answer because Nottingham Forest outplayed them. But in that final 10 minutes, Wolves just looked like a much better team in my opinion.
1: Yeah, another game that was going in my favor until the end as you right. mentioned. Wolves with their only shot on target registered in the game goes in off a shoddy re or shoddy deflection off a block shot and it just fell perfectly for Potence there. And it is what it is. That's what happens sometimes at these lower lower table matches. Just a bit of fortune and it goes in your favor and changes the whole uh the whole momentum on the game and the results. So Tough scenes for Forrest at home. Really any of the three points there would have given them up to would have gotten them up to t- to thirteenth place. Uh, what was that? They'd be four three points above the drop instead of just one at this stage. Yep. Um and more importantly so because they have one of the worst goal differentials. So they need to start picking up points if they don't want to get into a, a technical issue there when it comes to the end of the season, but Yeah, uh, Johnson was a doubt going into this game, just like last week he was, and um, was a major factor in both. Gibbs White getting the higher rating here on my screen with the website I'm using, but yeah, Wolves, like you mentioned, it's like they're hard to read, there's not really much going on there, and that's the only problem with them. We know they have the talent. We saw Potence, you mentioned, off the bench, as well as Neto, and those guys are major game changers, as we saw here and multiple times throughout this season and last. So. It's It was one of those games where you mentioned it could have gone either way and they have to split the points in just ugly, ugly fashion a way to end it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Crystal Palace 2, Leicester City 1. Another come-from-behind uh, finish here. Saw a couple of them this week. 2-1 final score. Palace with 31 shots. Nine of those falling on target. They really showed up for Big Roy Hodgson uh the old man who I've said many times now probably should be in a grave by now. Uh just exhumed and I don't know. The guys really played. I mean Palace actually looked good. Uh we saw Elise, we saw Eze. Wilf was in until he came off uh with the it looks like some sort of groin injury I feel for you right now, Wolf. I'm I'm nursing the same issue. Uh and Odson Edward right up at striker. Pal or er, uh Leicester City pretty much unchanged, lined up just how they uh typically always do. Not seeing pretty much anything out of um fucking the guy that Arsenal wanted to uh to sign. I always forget his name, the Belgian. What's his name? Tielaments. Gary Tielements. Yeah, I haven't seen him uh in some time. He's just on the fringes of the team. So you know it is what it is, Ricardo. He injured. Yeah, he is, but I, he wasn't really. He was coming off the bench before um, the injury, even. So I don't, I just don't think Brendan Rodgers wanted to to use him. He's he's been asking out for a while, and I think his contract is up too. So yeah, I guess it's good that he's injured. Um, but for for Lester, n- not a great performance here. They nicked a goal uh, in the fifty-six. Ricardo Pereira. Uh, And then in the 59th minute, there was an own goal from Daniel Iverson. And Mateta won it in stoppage time, 94th minute. Lovely, uh, lovely bit of play. And just, you know, they take all three points. This is the kind of stuff that happens. Uh, And at this point in the season, like, this is just not something as Leicester City that you want to see. And it's something that you can't see. Because now they've lost four out of their last five. They're on 25 points. Palace get a much-needed win after not winning in 2023, and Leicester are in the doghouse and manager list.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. This is their first win, and they're still in 12th position, the highest of all the drama down there. But, yeah, the manager mounts was real here. I thought out of all the teams in this scrap for relegation, Palace played the best, 31 total shots. Um, Total was at 9 on target. Yeah. The best thing we saw was as they started. Uh, Vieira, towards the end, didn't really start him at all, really limited his minutes, which was interesting. I don't know why, but um, him and Olysses on that right side were super dangerous. Uh, Christensen and Barnes couldn't contain their creativity on that side. Edward did a good shift up top. As you mentioned, unfortunate non-contact injury there with Zaha. Uh, But Ayu came off the bench and was a major impact with that winner with the last kick of the game into Mateta on the spin and it was perfect for uh to end a great day for a return of an old manager there. So perfect result for them, Leicester, where do they go from here? Um potentially do they sign a manager to close out the year who is willing to do it? I think the the main name I heard was Rafa Benitez. Um I don't know how that's going to help, but they just need somebody that can change up the tactics and really Change up how they've been playing because they played the same way every single game. Uh, they don't change their tactics to who they're playing. It's always the same, similar to how Arsenal and City play. They they play their ball no matter who it is. But you're in a position now where you just have to find a way to get points no matter what. We saw this with West Ham over the weekend getting a, getting a goal and then just locking it down. We saw it with Everton today doing everything they could against Spurs. So they need somebody to come in not put their total thumb fingerprint on the team just find a way to get things done with those players that you have now uh, and then rework things in the summer so we'll see where they go from here I think they play tomorrow against Villa which is gonna be really tough but uh, especially with Una Emery I think since since Una's appointment compared to all the teams in the league from that point on if you made the table uh, Aston Villa would be in third place so He is loving life right now with Villa.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, we're going to jump into Arsenal 4, Leeds United 1, but what I am going to do, since I haven't been switching it back and forth, is I'll take the first half of the games and then I'll give you the second half of the game. There'll be five left after this one. That's how I'll switch it off. Uh, Arsenal 4, Leeds United 1. Absolute fucking masterclass. Um, Didn't necessarily expect it to be this high scoring, and I think we score four but Leeds their their lineup was so bad they left you know a majority of their what I would say good players on the bench uh Jorginho Rutter is a guy that I I think is good I McKinney obviously I'm very fond of uh Bamford is probably their best option up there they're missing uh Adams right now which is a huge loss so it was BA up top uh Aaronson that's not it's not his native position he probably shouldn't be playing striker but that's where he was uh Neeson was in there he was actually the guy that got there or Christensen was their only guy uh to score in this one he scored in the 76th but as for Arsenal uh really really dominant Jesus drew a pen in the 35th then converted it scored in the 55th uh Ben White scored in the 47th uh, it's his second Premier League goal. Actually, probably could have had two in this game. And then Xhaka uh, with a goal in the 84th. This was just beautiful, high-flying, liquid, perfection football pretty much to, to the maximum degree. And I know people are probably tired of hearing me say it, but uh, there's there's no other way to describe it. I mean, these are the games that you can't falter in. And Arsenal, pretty much every step maybe with the exclusion of Everton, that Everton game, uh, and maybe the 1-1 with Southampton earlier this season, have looked pretty much perfect.
1: Yeah, it's a perfect return for Jesus playing playing those 60 minutes and earning the brace. The, the penalty, you could say, was a little soft, but Ailing committing himself into trying to stretch for it um, played himself a bit. Yeah, the, the lineup here really it's told bad. us that that they're just that Garcia is going all in on tomorrow's match, a massive six pointer hosting Forest. Uh, couldn't ask for a better situation playing Forrest uh, when they have to travel. So they're definitely going to be playing all those guys as you mentioned that were on the bench. Rodrigo is going to be a massive guy for them if they want to succeed and get out of the drop here. They currently are in 18th on 26 points, one point out of the of safety. It was a uh, it was really tough because the before that penalty, it seemed like Leeds were pretty decently in this game. They didn't they didn't uh, give any massive opportunities for Arsenal to score. Uh, maybe a few slip-ups in the build-up, and I think Jesus had a header early on whipped in from the left side. But other than that, prior to the penalty, they were in a pretty decent spot go, uh, going into the half-nil-nil. No, but that's, always, that's how it always seems like when teams play Arsenal or City, once that first goes in the, that just your, the psyche of yourself and the team just kind of dies off. And especially when you play away at at these grounds, it's just impossible with the fans getting fired up behind the team. So they're buying all in on Tuesday. Hopefully it's it's a success for them. And for Arsenal, they keep that eight point gap and they continue to close that goal differential uh, for, they have a plus 43 goal differential to Man City's plus 45. So they're going head to head in all stats with them.
0: Yeah, that's the truth. Okay, uh, I'm handing it over to you now. You're running the next part of the show. Go ahead.
1: Okay, the last one we have is the Chelsea or Aston Villa, right?
0: Uh, it'll be Brighton. Brighton Brentford's up next for me on Saturday. Okay. How for, oh wow, the three-three. Yeah, this yeah. game was what a fucking it banger! Was, it was a game that.
1: We didn't really see coming in the fashion Uh-oh. it did. I think a draw is something that t- people definitely could have saw seen or or uh, gotten behind, but 3-3 with two teams that have been pretty decent on the back end uh, when it comes to defense, letting up these goals in a quick succession like this was kind of alarming in a way. Yeah, uh, Started off in the 10th minute, Pont- Pontus Jansen, uh cross-whipped Jans- from Jensen. Uh, he's come back from a long injury, so the club captain gets a nice goal there first this season for him. Replied in the 21st minute, Jason Steele, the goalkeeper, with a long ball, straight up the gut of the Brentford defense. <laughs> Bounce once, and Matoma chips Raya in no, in no man's land. Equalizes no more than 10 seconds later, uh, off a bad bad throw and play for Brighton. Ivan Tooney gets the ball laced in him up front, bangs it in, back in the lead. Brighton again, fighting back to come from behind again. Uh, Sully March assisting Danny Welbeck, his third of the season there, header down in the bottom left corner. Uh, We go into the half 2-2 at the Amex. We come out, another set-piece goal for Brentford. This time, Ethan Pinnock, assisted by Buemo again. And then we didn't see another goal until the 90th minute controversial handball by Aaron Hickey. Uh, sticks his arm out to block the, the chance from the from the Brentford player, or for the Brighton player, and then uh, McAllister steps up and buries it top corner to end the game 3-3. So yep. massive implications when it comes to Europe. This was a big opening for Chelsea and Villa afterwards, yep. and it, both teams are tied on 43 points, both in sixth place, but Brighton have two games in hand on Brentford.
0: Yep. So I watched this entire game, and now looking back at the stats, and even when I was watching, like obviously Brighton had more chances, uh, better chances, and they controlled the pace. But still, Brentford were the team that were playing ahead the entire time. They scored in the 10th. They had to wait for Matoma to score in the 21st. They went ahead in the 22nd uh with Tony then Welbeck scored it was 2-2 and then Penning scored in the 49th and I was like there's no way Brighton you know get another here Brentford will finally have learned their lesson and sit back and they didn't do it and that's not really Brentford's team identity same thing with Brighton both of these teams defend pretty well and <laughs> neither of them were able to do it in this one I think honestly with Brighton's um ability to to score at will what what feels like their ability to score at will um at this point in the season they're gonna be they're gonna be upset that they they didn't take all three points from this game because clearly they had the ability to score they just defended really really poorly and Brentford didn't have all that many chances
1: yeah and you have to think that Brentford they played 28 games this year and 13 of them they've drawn that just it seems like they they can't get that winning goal at times. Even after they've had big performances, beating United early on, they beat City, Uh uh, competing against the other big teams, drawing Chelsea before. And they've only lost five games. That's the third least uh, behind City with four. Then Newcastle and Arsenal are tied for first with only three defeats. So a confident side uh, coached by another manager that definitely has opportunities to move up the, the table in, um, bigger clubs and with more influence and more power, but we'll see come the end of the year. I'm sure n- neither of these guys will end up leaving their posts. They're, they're building something special at both of these teams, or at both of these clubs. And um, The one thing I was we, I didn't understand was why Evan Ferguson wasn't even on the... the yeah, scoring. I don't know.
0: That was strange, I thought, as yeah. well.
1: It was a good thing that Welbeck scored, because we've seen in the past that Deservey's been visibly upset when he's missed chances. So, uh, positive there for Welley, but... Uh, they have to share the points at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Okay, up next you have Chelsea and Villa.
1: Yeah, something that is, uh, I don't know, it's just, it was a, Grand Potter getting sacked after it is positive if you want to think about it, but when you look at this performance, it was just, it, it compared to how we played against them the first time. Phil definitely deserved something out of the last time where um, Mason Mount scored a brace. The first from a weird flub clearance from Mings and then a absolute banging free kick goal on the second from Mount as well. But this time we started with Mudrick up front. He missed an absolute sitter. He got in fine, broke away through the gap in between the defense and had a clear chance and just scuffed it. Had another chance as well um felix definitely is the main guy up front trying to link up the play and op- make openings for everybody um, but ollie watkins in the 18th minute uh, a ball over the top deep lot deep play from uh douglas huiz Cucurella and koulibaly miscommunicate uh Cucurella being um the height he is um it skims off his head goes past koulibaly uh watkins and chips keppa down 1-0. Um, from there I had no confidence that we would come back. Every time there is any excitement in the or change of tone in the commentary's voice for a Chelsea attack, I never get my hopes up um, and I never and it never changes. Um, Callum Chambers even came in in the 46th minute to secure a clean sheet, so that happened there. And then uh, 56th minute we saw John McGinn with an absolute banger uh, top of the box, curling away from Kappa. Great strike, but just sealed the deal, and it was right before uh, N'Golo Kante made his return after such a long wait. Um, he had no really massive influence. He had one chance that was that was good for us, but he, he's been away for a while. So, and that's not his forte is to score goals. It's to stop and break things up. So, the substitutions didn't make a massive impact. We had Pulisic and Gallagher come on late. They didn't really do anything. Metaweke is still new and young to the league and isn't doesn't seem fully ready to be playing a massive part in this team and everything that potter did just had no real effect and his post-match interviews never change it's always the boys gave it all and it's kind of he takes all the all the criticism which is a nice thing to do but the players have to get some stick sooner or later. I mean, when Ben Chilwell is our best attacker for three consecutive games, like, that's a massive issue. So, um, as well as Reese James playing right center back when we have Batty Shield on the bench and um, Trevor Chalaba, too. And Loftus-Cheek just doesn't get the job on a right wing back. We have, we have one of the best right backs in the world that can play there. So, it's just so many questions that Don't have to be answered anymore because Graham Potter's gone, and we'll see what uh, Bruno does um, tomorrow against
0: Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is just one of those games where I was—I don't know. I had a feeling that Chelsea were going to dominate, and then I I kept hearing that Ollie Watkins was going to have a great game, and then he did. He scored in the 18th, and I was like, okay, well, they're definitely not going to win this game. Because all my feelings were just invalidated. And uh, I don't know. They, they, This this lineup is just crazy. Like, Reese James is playing right center back. Kukarela is playing left center back. And you leave Badia Shiel and Chalobah on the bench. Like, you're playing guys out of position. What's, what's the reason for that? The, the addition of Chilwell, I think, has been good. I really like Chilwell. I think he's been yeah. fantastic for Chelsea this season. It was a shame he, he was out for it, with injury for so long. Um, but still, I mean, Chelsea's just so far off the pace. This is a pretty young team as well when you look at it. Uh, Reese James, Kepa, Loftus Cheek, like even Havertz and, and Enzo and and Mudric, this is a young team. It's pretty young. And I think if you don't put a little bit of um, you know, fire under their asses, then there's some there's some complacency. You don't really have to worry about it with Reese James, but with new players coming in and you're trying to establish a, a new identity for this new Chelsea Football Club owned by Todd Bowley, you have to have somebody who's who's kind of going to lay down the law. And hopefully they're able to find that manager up next. This uh, this sort of loss is just completely symptomatic uh, and really you know definitive uh, in terms of the Grand Potter era era right.
1: Yeah, the bad man's gone. If you want to think that, right, but at the right. same time, it's like I don't know if he'll ever get another opportunity at this. It's this stage in the prem. It might be one of those things where um, David Moyes at Man United, he got given his chance and he kind of flubbed it, and he's never had that chance again at that level. So we'll see if Grand Potter gets the same treatment. But uh, full credit to Villa. We mentioned Emery's record since he's joined Villa, it's been phenomenal, and he suits this level of team greatly better than when he was at arsenal in years past too so credit to them and one last thing for chelsea it seems like all of our development is down the wings which should be because we have the the wing backs that can play those types of or that style and we can make we can give the ball to them to make the chances but at the same time there needs to be some sort of chance creation down the middle like going through the middle of the field we saw the ball through to mudrick like those types of plays where we can get those guys in behind or Quick interconnection, because Jao Felix is definitely can contribute to that style. So maybe it comes down to getting somebody in there with Enzo or Kovacic. Those guys play very similar. Maybe having Angolo in there, pushing Enzo higher and getting more involved in the build-up or um, buying somebody new that is... I mean, ideally it would be Mount, who is that massive 10-roll guy that could play in the middle and behind, but... It Just doesn't seem like the contract's growing anywhere for him in the negotiations, so you mentioned it's a young team it's a long term project twenty project twenty 30, uh twenty thirty right. from those guys so um there's a lot going on, and we just want to see results in as in a style of play that's developing game in,
0: game out yeah absolutely okay um let us jump in to the next one West Ham one Southampton nil
1: matt um, so this one was one of those games that David Moyes At home Playing bottom of the table Southampton His job's on the line once again We've seen this multiple times this year And getting that early goal Off a set piece there uh, Naif Nef- Aguard uh, yeah. Played for Morocco In the World Cup That that um, historic run they had in the Semifinals dropping to France Unfortunately but he gets a massive goal here. He's been somebody that was a has been an underrated signing um for all the teams this year, so and he's been limited due to injuries too. We saw at the beginning of the year he didn't get off to a good start with playing time, but he makes his mark here and after that that goal they really just packed it in. Um didn't really care about the play going forward and they just stuck it out for the remainder of the game. Southampton had their chances. They brought on Paul uh, Onuachu, the 6667 guy they brought in. Um, had a few chances whipped into the box, couldn't get the job done, and it just came down to that grit and that hunger, and a result finally went West Ham's way after a while of um, just dropping points after points. So now they climb up to 14th place, tied, on tw- tied with 27 points with three other clubs, but have the best goal differential of the bunch. So a positive step forward, um, and they have to continue on because they have a massive game on Wednesday against Newcastle.
0: Yeah, I mean, West Ham just needed a game with no huge mistakes in this one. Whether that was going to be one point or three points uh, was sort of up to them. They were able to get that goal, kind of nicked one uh, with a Garrett in the 25th, but were able to actually defend it pretty soundly, which I think is something that West Ham could have benefited uh, from much more this season. Just going out there in the first 15, 20, 25 minutes, trying to get a goal, and then sitting back. Uh, they wouldn't have had as many just complete disaster blowout games. Uh, and I just think that that would have served them so much better this year, but boys tried to switch things up a little bit. Uh, they didn't change the team around all that much, but they just tried a, a different style of football and it didn't necessarily work. So while this is kind of flat to watch, uh, it's going to be effective you know coming down the stretch and this is what you need regardless of whether we enjoy watching it or not it doesn't really matter you're you know you're trying to stay up and this is the kind of game that they they have to play in the next six or seven weeks uh, to make sure that you know they're not playing in the championship next year
1: yeah we're past the point for all these teams in this area where they're going to they're going to go for more after one it's they're just going to pack it in and just yeah. hope it's enough and play on the counter for the maybe to bag a second so like you mentioned it's not going to be the prettiest to close out the year for a lot of these games but still it's it's going to be exciting we saw even today with everton spurs we'll get to in a minute
0: yeah what a banger uh okay newcastle two, manchester united nil
1: a game that I, th- I definitely saw coming. I, th- I thought that United was going to drop points here on this run without Casemiro. Yeah. Uh, and we did. It was a massive impact here. Newcastle, was the, the Geordies were, were jumping. And it was it was enjoyable to watch, to see those boys get a result, especially after dropping the, the League Cup final against United in the reverse uh, scoreline here, going the opposite way for both teams. So it started off... With nothing in the first half, multiple chances going their way. Um, Newcastle controlled most of the tempo. Uh, United with Veghorst, I think he totaled 10 total touches in his time in the match, which from your lead man up top is, is not... I don't know. His lone move has been literally pointless. I mean, the guy works really hard, and you love his effort, but his contributions in any games that matter is literally... Nothing like Martial would do better if he was starting there. So
0: yeah.
1: interesting to see Ten Hag stick by his man. We saw the first the the first goal go in. Joe Willock, uh, ball whipped in from the right. Saint Maximin nods it back. Joe Willock, three yards away, nods it in. Uh, he's picking up that form we saw last season um, and the year before him going that big goal goal uh, stretch uh, and got the place absolutely jumping. Massive sub in the 80th minute. Isak comes off from Callum Wilson. Cal Wilson bags a goal in the 88th to secure the victory, assisted by Trippier. You saw what it meant to him. Um, he deals with injuries, and now he's dealing with playing time with ESAC now that he's fully fit. So for him to bag a goal in this type of game, it definitely helps him with the manager and getting more play time. So um, what do you think of this match and the result it does in the top four race?
0: Well, obviously, this wasn't really what I was expecting out of United. I, I said, I don't know if I was on... I was intoxicated or what when I said I was expecting a, you know, a McFred masterclass, but yeah, you know, uh, clearly Ten Hog didn't hear me. Uh, McTominay didn't hear me. And I thought Sebitzer was injured. He's not. yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I was just fucking way off on this one. Uh, and United, I, I also said Rashford was going to keep up his pace, but that motherfucker could not cope with Newcastle. Uh, he had a really, really tough game. Just got sent in the opposite direction multiple times. Uh, Trippier put him in jail. Uh, and it was it was a really, really good performance from Newcastle. I mean, they waited a while to score. Uh, it wasn't until the 65th. Arsenal legend Joe Willick, uh, he scored. And then Wilson in the 88th, another one of my demons from the past. Um, yeah, this was just—United just couldn't really get it going. They couldn't get it figured out. Uh, Ten Hag did not look happy on the sideline. The the boys sort of looked, um, complacent and it is truly crazy to think that United started this season with Cristiano Ronaldo as their starting striker. And now they're actually trotting Wout Weghorst out every single week. So uh, maybe I was just way off on, on predicting United to turn it up and, and keep that top four. Uh, if they play like this, then they're, they're actually going to drop down like into Europa League spots for sure
1: yeah newcastle jump up to third now a goal differential over spurs who jumped into fourth united now dropped to fifth newcastle the best defense only giving up 19 goals now and i think that's their 13th clean sheet of the year out of 27 games so credit to them after an international break where people thought united would pick it up and i think rashford he didn't go to the england trip the england games he went to new york with uh his girlfriend for a trip so uh, people were criticizing him for doing that as well. That was another take there. Um, so yeah, they they have to bounce back now. They play to they play Wednesday, right? They play against. Uh, yeah, they play Brentford. So yep. not not, not an top.
0: easy one. Yeah. Uh,
1: last game we had that just ended a few hours ago. Everton won, Tottenham won, Red cards for both teams. Uh, nothing in the first half. This game, I didn't wasn't able to watch like the full oh full man of <laughs> it was, was so bad it was, i had it on in the truck for work and was clint glancing every once in a while but i was listening the whole time so yeah i got an idea of how the game was and it was as you would from a sean dice game it was super fucking sloppy physical it's just so um, physical the whole game and, and spurs didn't even contribute any type of play of their own as well they're they are so hard to watch uh, yeah. You would have thought that with uh, Stellini stepping in, it would be different, but no, it's still the same regime. We need somebody new to come in with some fresh blood.
0: Yeah, I mean, on the Spurs side, it was just like cr- like lazy crosses. They'd win the ball. They, they'd pirate. You're not pirate. They'd fucking charge down uh, like Buccaneers, cross the ball in. The ball would get cleared. Then Everton would do some build up. I actually think it will be played really well in the first half, honestly uh he he looked really really good exhibited some lovely skill at the beginning of the game but just sort of fell off with sort of a nothing performance in total um and it's just like so shit Tottenham nick a goal on a penalty Decore gets sent off because he fucking smacks Kane in the face which uh, I have a screenshot I'll have to send to you it was pure comedy and then Kane acted like he got shot by a 50 caliber bullet uh, Duque, probably should have been given a yellow. Honestly, I'm I'm not sure if if that's deserving of a red. We see that sort of nonsense shit uh pretty much like every single fucking game in the prem.
1: Do you think if the Do you think if the referee gave a yellow? Do you think Far would have came in and
0: no, in no, Egypt? I I I was listening and they were talking about that on the commentary as well, and I I feel like no, it probably would have stayed as a yellow. It's not like it's not like it was a closed fist fucking Mike Tyson hook. You know, it to was, the side of his head. I think it was.
1: It was almost identical to the what was it? The Tottenham, Southampton. Somebody.
0: No, that was United Southampton, wasn't it? Yeah, Casemiro S- got a red for choking somebody. I thought. No,
1: not that. It was. Oh. It involved Spurs. I remember. It's like somebody pushed Emerson on the shoulder and brushed up to his face. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the Chelsea game. I think uh, yeah, yeah, it was Ziyech. Ziyech pushed Emerson on the shoulder and it brushed up to his face. Right. In the same fashion that Onana did, but Onana clearly pushed him right in the face. Yeah, I mean, it's um, not
0: good. Like, it's ugly for sure. He should be disciplined for it. He should be getting a yellow. But I don't, I don't know if that's deserving of a red. Um, I don't think.
1: I don't think people have to flop for the point to come across. I mean, it was right yeah. in front of Sean Dice, and Sean Dice is like, "What the fuck is that?" Man? No,
0: like a simple, like, "What the fuck, me It would would suffice. I think Kane. Bad form there during a flop. Like the guy's gonna get disciplined. I don't think the flopping is the difference between the yellow or the red, in my opinion. Yeah. Because yeah. when you watch it in full speed, it does kind of looks. It does kind of look like he like close face like punched him in the head, but that's yeah. that's not what happened at all. It was more of a slap. Like when when they slowed it down, you realize Onana's just or Ducore is kind of just like flailing like a weirdo. Um. And yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you like no matter how big. Uh, and scary and physically imposing a footballer is. They're usually fucking soft, and that was that was some soft ass behavior from Kane and also from Ducore. Like if you're gonna fucking smack them, you know, give them a good one. Don't don't do that bullshit. So
1: I, yeah, I I do agree with the softness, but at the same time, I think it comes down to gamesmanship. You're always trying to find a way to get an advantage on your on the other team. And yeah, I guess Kane fully took advantage of. Um, he fouled Demari Gregg, clear foul but you Corey's emotions took over with the atmosphere and what was on the line for the team. And it got out of control and you can see the intent when, when he was pushing Kane in the face. So um, I guess you can, you can validate the referee's decision. He was right there too. So that was a one way that Everton tried to hand the game to Spurs. And then the penalty Kane takes out uh, the Tottenham player. Kane buries the penalty. Yep. That's the second giving Spurs
0: uh, a
1: charity point, a charity win. And then Spurs just implode on themselves. Lucas Moura comes in. Oh, my God. That was the a, wor-
0: worst tackle I've ever seen.
1: Gets a straight red, taking out Michael Keane, who gave up the penalty. Uh, and then now it's 10 v 10. Uh, play <laughs> opens up in the 90th minute. Michael Keane from 25 yards out. Uh, ident- almost identical to company's goal against Leicester there, the year they won the title. Uh, just a pure knuckle, clean... Just going away from Larice. Larice doesn't even attempt to save it and just the the place blew up. Michael Keane didn't even really celebrate in a fashion that deserved for that goal because uh he knew he needed to do that to make up for the penalty. So uh the point mattered more for Everton. They jumped now to fifteenth position, one point above the drop. Uh it right there with West Ham Forest and Bournemouth. Um, but yeah, this is uh, I think the bigger story is just Spurs and how there's no there's no like focus there's no identity to their play I mean the, the it's one one and in the ninth minute they're still trying to build out of the back yep. with seven Everton players in within 25 yards of their goal I mean the
0: ball got like nearly nicked and scored like four separate times the last Tom 10 Davies minutes. almost
1: blocked it off of Lloris' clearance that would have been the most embarrassing way to lose a game
0: yeah that, it, lorice is so bad too this is just one of those games that i watched in the last like i watched the whole game i fell asleep for like 10 minutes at the beginning of the first half but um watching this unfold at the end like i was just sitting in my bed giggling dude i was chuckling because i sent a text to kyle um and he was like after the red or after after kane scored the penalty and play sort of resumed, and and Everton started to press. He's like, we're gonna fucking lo- we're gonna lose this game or we're gonna draw. I'm telling you, Everton will get a point. And I was fully, I expected it as well. And then the red card happened, uh, from Mora. Sanchez was on, and then Mora did that. And I was just like, he's right, dude. <laughs> Somehow they're gonna nick a goal. And it, like five minutes later, fucking Keane scored. Great goal, by the way. I'll, I'll be honest, that was a great finish, but. Man, Tottenham are just such a fucking shambles, aren't they? It's crazy.
1: Yeah, but the I think the sad part is like everybody else around them is fluffing it too. Yeah. The only, prob- I the only problem is the only problem is all those teams below them have two or three games in hand on them.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. It's just like t- Tottenham have f- fucked about so much this season and they're still in fourth place.
1: If they didn't have Harry Kane, they'd be where Chelsea is.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's, I think that's totally fair.
1: Son is having a historically.
0: He stinks now.
1: Or it's almost identical to the Rams this year going from winning the Super Bowl, him winning the Golden Boot, to not even make the playoffs and having no draft picks. I mean, he's just completely fallen off the map.
0: Yeah, he's disappeared. He's having a crisis of faith or something. I don't know. I I think it's really tough, though, for a player like Son who. I mean, I don't want to say that he thrives in comfortable situations because let's be honest, playing at Tottenham is just the most uncomfortable situation any player can face. Um, Kane seemed to to done well or seemed to do well in that situation, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just think with all that awkward behavior and everybody kind of hating each other at at Tottenham this season, like that's not an environment where where Sonny's going to thrive. So maybe if they get. Uh, a nicer manager or something Uh, not Conte they'll do well but at the same time I think they need somebody with an iron fist Uh, like I have no idea I don't know how you fix this team but there's a lot of work to be done there for sure
1: yeah a lot of people want the summer to be here
0: yeah yeah that's absolutely true I, I just hope they get Posh back like I hope they get somebody that's tactical but also kind enough like for sure knows ball knows the club knows the fans is liked like that that's it would be better if Tottenham are good next year and if Arsenal win the league again and it's not against like shambles Tottenham you know what I mean because I don't who? I don't take anything out of beating them right now
1: out of these names who would you pick for the Tottenham job you got Poch Nagelsmann Potter Brendan
0: Rodgers Poch for sure I mean I think I think Potter. I kind of like him, but I don't. I don't think he's gonna get a chance to go right back to top six football. Um, Nagelsmann, I don't know. He's kind of weird. Like there's some weird reports of what happened um, at Bayern. Like apparently he was like riding a skateboard around, and they didn't like that. Riding <laughs> a skateboard around the training facility and talking about extreme sports all the time. Is like the weirdest possible thing you can do when you're a professional football manager. Like you can get your fucking head in the game. So no on Nagelsmann, I'm out on him. Uh, and then Brendan Rodgers, Chelsea. Oh, enjoy. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, I think, is a complete clown. I think I've been on that block for quite some time. So I'll go with Poch. I, I mean, I, I really like him. I think he's a fantastic manager. He's been out of the game now for a while, but. Uh, I think since being sacked by PSG, you know, he'll, he'll probably be looking back on his time at Tottenham, that, uh, Champions League final very, very fondly. And I think it could be a, a lovely reunion between the two.
1: All right. Getting into the midweek predictions, uh, after this weekend's games, the results for our pick them, uh, Zach and I four and six Evans week became positive in the 90th minute. Whenever it's in dry, uh, the game. So he went six and four so we have six midweek games that i'm gonna it's i'm just putting it as week 19 or week 29 continued because these are all varied makeup games so uh starting off we have four games tomorrow on tuesday april 4th first game being bournemouth hosting
0: brighton yeah um i'll take brighton in that one they're gonna be pissed not getting three points uh Against Brentford last weekend, despite outplaying them. So I'll take them. I think they beat Bournemouth. I don't think it's by much, but I do think they win.
1: Yeah, I'm taking Brighton as well. Tough to think, or tough to see Bournemouth pick up multiple positive results here. They have three wins in their last six, and the other three are losses. So a bit topsy turvy. And for all those teams in that area, you can't expect consistency. So I think Brighton here definitely. Uh, Zach didn't give me his picks, so I'll just have him added in off air. So okay. uh, next we have Leeds hosting Forrest. I'm going to follow the train of thought that Forrest on the road always lose. And I'm going to hope that Garcia's plan of resting all of his major players for this game in particular pays off. So I'm going to go with Leeds.
0: Nah, that 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 performance from Leeds last week, despite it not being the first team, was so bad uh i'm actually gonna take nottingham forest i think this is a a brennan johnson full coming out party everybody's gonna know his name after this one if you don't already this is this is a a domination by nottingham forest
1: they've only scored four goals on the road and that would be their second win i know we're gonna
0: see four though we're they're gonna double it with this one yeah
1: if there's a team to get those goals Leeds is definitely the one uh next we have Leicester hosting villa um, I think just for the change in the new manager bounce and plus because uh I never get Villa games right, I'm just gonna take Lester right here at home. I think the fans need to wake things up and I think having some fresh blood and new ideas and allowing players to play a little bit differently will kinda take Villa on a off uh off their balance.
0: Okay. Uh I'm gonna take Villa then. I'll go on the opposite side. I'm trying to catch up to you guys. I don't think it's gonna happen at this point in the season, but uh, I actually do think Villa win this game, so I'm totally comfortable with that.
1: Uh, Zach heard me recording. He sent me his picks just now. He took Brighton in the first. He has Leeds Force as a draw, and he's taken Villa as well. Okay. Uh, next, the big one tomorrow, Chelsea hosting Liverpool. Uh, in this one, I'm taking a draw, same as the first one. Both teams are going to look like uh, they don't deserve anything, and I'm going to think a draw here. So, And Zach says a draw, too.
0: Okay. Uh boy. I
1: it's really it's really sloppy.
0: Yeah, this is a tough one. I think I'll take a draw as well. I want to say Chelsea new manager bounce maybe. That Salto guy. I think you guys need to span it. Did you see him? Did you you read anything about Salto? Uh
1: no, I've seen him. He kind of reminds me of like a smaller version of Willy Caballero. Yeah,
0: I think uh I think you guys need a Spanish manager and uh, yeah, uh, another Chelsea fan. My friend Tim, I was talking to him this morning. He he seems to think that the Spanish manager is the way to go because they have some passion. And I think I agree. Uh, oh. I I totally co-signed that take. I think that guy's Spanish too.
1: Yeah, Luis Enrique is available, is available.
0: Yeah, that's that's who Tim wants. Job. That's who he wants, and I think that would probably be a decent uh, manager as well. I mean Spanish managers are absolutely stunting right now, so I think yeah. uh, I think maybe this guy maybe he could be good but I will take a draw I don't think it's Liverpool are still not an easy team to beat even though they stink
1: yeah okay um especially with our offense too
0: right so. yeah precisely
1: um all right next we go we jump to Wednesday two games here West Ham hosting Newcastle I'm taking a draw here and Zach is taking Newcastle.
0: Oof, uh, this is a tough one. I think I will take a draw as well. I think it could be a slow start for Newcastle. Uh, I don't necessarily think West Ham are going to have an easy time breaking down that Newcastle back line or even their midfield for that matter. Uh, But something's telling me a draw. Something's telling me David Moyes mm-hmm. is going to, like a cockroach, keep his job next season too. So I'll take the draw.
1: Yeah, and I think Newcastle is just going to dominate the possession, so we're going to definitely see maybe a bow encounter somewhere uh, to get any side type of goal. Um, and then the last game, we have United hosting Brentford. United coming off that disappointing defeat to Newcastle-Brentford after that high-scoring draw with Brighton. Could be a massive swing in points here. Brentford could cut the gap to. Uh, four points with a win here against United, and I'm going to take the draw. I think another draw for Brentford. They're just too tricky to play in. United without Casemiro, I just really don't have confidence in.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Zach's taking a draw as well.
0: I don't. I don't think there's going to like. I've realized like we've all kind of taken a lot of draws. I'll take. I'll take United. I guess I'll like quadruple down at this point. And <laughs> okay. Say they're going to win. I can't like. I'm not going to bet most, on them. Trust that, but I am going to take
1: that. The most optimistic United picks every week, even though at the beginning
0: of the year, yeah, I have them hated United. them so much. I know <laughs> it's just Rashford FC. Like that's I I just really like him, so I I'll take United. I, I think they can they can just eat this one out. Okay, all right. Battered in the midfield
1: though. Uh, yep, that concludes right at an hour. We're closing yep. that out. There will be a special edition episode tomorrow. That's Evan right. going to be recording a Tottenham special with uh Kyle, uh, uh, a big diehard Spurs fan. Yep. So that's going to be an interesting video or podcast. I can't wait to listen to that. And then Evan's going to be away midweek, so it's going to be me and Zach, I think, Thursday. Yeah, we're going to come and recap the midweek results. Hopefully. Positive results for our our clubs in Chelsea and United. And then we're going to get into the the next weekend's fixtures, which a lot of big ones. We have Liverpool Arsenal, uh, Tottenham Mm. Brighton, as well as Man City, Southampton in there too. Might be another 9 0 or potentially.
0: Yeah, I am fucking licking my chops uh, for Arsenal Liverpool at 11.30 and Masters Sunday. What an absolute day. To sit in front of a television Easter? Nah, I don't give a fuck. Um, Alright guys, thank you for listening. Make sure you keep your eye out uh, on the pod feed this week like Matt said. We've got a special coming tomorrow and then uh, the second episode of the week coming on Thursday. So you guys got three shows this week uh thanks for always uh, or thank you for always supporting and make sure you check us out on social media at post 20 pod on twitter and instagram you can also find all past episodes of the show on soundcloud spotify and apple podcast matt thanks for joining me tonight thank you guys for listening and we'll see you all uh i guess tomorrow